What's up, everybody? This is Pastor James. Welcome back to our midweek Bible study. Last week, we did an intro to the book of Proverbs. So if you missed it, I greatly encourage you to go back and listen to it before listening to today's podcast. As we begin to read the first chapter of Proverbs and discuss it, I'm interested in seeing how far we can make it through chapter 1. So let's go ahead and get started and see how far we can get today. We are reading Proverbs chapter 1. Let's start out with verses 1 through 7 as we read about the purpose of the Proverbs. It says, These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those who understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and the riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Alright, so... It is worth noting that Proverbs is one of, if not the only book in the Bible, that gives you the who, what, when, where, and why of it at the beginning of it being written. Now, most of the books of the Bible do not reveal this information as part of their uh, their makeup or their being, but it's something that really has to be researched and pulled from other sources. However, Proverbs begins with an introduction of that author being Solomon, his title, the purpose upon which it is written. So we get the when because we know the time frame in which Solomon reigned. Um, we talked a lot about wisdom last week in the introduction and how it's the main topic of the book. And wisdom is mentioned at least 125 times. And although wisdom may be the topic, the purpose of the book is to teach wisdom. And there's there's a very... That's a very different thing. Wisdom is not the topic. Okay? Oh, I'm sorry. Wisdom is the topic, but it's not the purpose. The purpose is to teach. And teaching is very different from just uh, the being of wisdom. And so although the topic is well represented, uh, it, it doesn't do any good if wisdom isn't taught. And so as a result... Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, is uniquely written in short and basically standalone statements. Uh, this, uh, they're written this way so that it makes these teachings very easy to memorize and remember. And that's important because Solomon wanted to teach wisdom and not just talk about it. He didn't want to just say, look how wise I am, or he didn't want everyone to know how wise he was. He wanted to teach wisdom, and that's really important. Now, I believe that verse 3 is really the cream of these seven verses that we just read. And you see that Solomon once again writes the purpose of these Proverbs, but it goes beyond wisdom and it dives right into what wisdom can offer us as people. And it's so important to see that wisdom helps us to be disciplined. It helps us to be successful. It helps us to do what is right. It helps us to be just and it helps us to live fairly. And all of those are very positive things that I believe all normal and good people would like to define their, their life with 
especially followers of Christ. And I said this last week, but I can't help but say it again. Verse 4 is monumental. It doesn't matter how smart you are or dumb you are or how old or young you are. It's so important to understand that you can be unintelligent and young and immature, but wisdom can be attained by those who seek the Lord. This is a wonderful promise, and I believe that this is why the book spoke to me so powerfully as a teenager who first began to seek God in my life 20-something years ago. Now, verse 5 and 6 reveals that even if you are wise and mature, that you can gain more wisdom and maturity. And reading this book gives us nothing to lose and everything to gain. So Solomon even discloses that these writings are parables and they're riddles, which is fascinating because while it may give insight to the simple, it's not just going to be blindly revealed on the very first time that you read it. You're not going to be able to read Proverbs one time and understand it completely and all of a sudden be uh, this fountain of wisdom that everyone else can pull from. There will be things in this book that we will read and not understand. And this is why Solomon said that we will get these things by exploring the meaning of these writings. And this is why it doesn't matter how many times you read them because every time you come back to them and read them again, God can reveal something new to you that you never saw or noticed or understood before. And this is a very common but amazing attribute of all of Scripture. And all of God's Word, the Bible, that is, possesses this this ability to be this constant, renewing fountain of, of spiritual information, of wisdom, of love, of discernment. I mean, God is constantly revealing things through Scripture. No matter how many times you read it or understand it, there's always something new that you've never seen before. And only God's Word does that. And it can and will always teach us new things to those who care enough to invest in reading it. So we do need to also see that while our relationships with God are addressed periodically throughout this book, it isn't necessarily a spiritually saturated book. Now, that doesn't mean that spirituality isn't in the book or isn't present throughout the book. We just have to understand that that the spirituality is assumed to be present before we even or before we can even begin to attain true wisdom, and that is reflected in verse 7 as He writes, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So Solomon may not focus a lot on spiritual things as wisdom is the topic and teaching wisdom is the purpose, but he doesn't focus on necessarily spiritual things a lot because it's assumed that anyone who is reading this book and wants wisdom already knows the Lord, already is seeking the Lord, and, uh, and, and basically there needs to be this uh, desire to be pursuing God in our daily lives before we can even have what this book has to offer. All right? Well, let's move on and read verses 8 through 19 together as Solomon writes, A father's uh, desire for you to acquire wisdom. Now, 
My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. My child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. They may say, come and join us. Let's hide and kill someone just for fun. Let's ambush the innocent. Let's swallow them alive like the grave. Let's swallow them whole like those who go down to the pit of death. Think of the great things we will get. We'll fill our houses with all of the stuff we take. Come, throw in your lot with us. We'll all share the loot. My child, don't go along with them. Stay far away from their paths. They rush to commit evil deeds. They hurry to commit murder. If a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away. But these people set ambush for themselves. They are trying to get themselves killed. Such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. Alright, so after our introduction to this book we are introduced to the first words of what it means to seek wisdom. And there's a call to listen and accept what comes from our parents. And this is a very unique thing because our parents are not perfect. They never have been, they never will be, and neither will we. Um, But a young person that wants wisdom must learn to listen to a father's correction and not ignore a mother's instruction. Now, I'll just speak personally that as a kid, I hated being disciplined by my father, and I hated listening to my mother nag. And there were things about my father that I knew were hypocritical, when he, uh, which made me feel like he had no right to be as hard on me as he was in a lot of ways. And then there were things about my mother that I knew she was too overprotective and that she was worried about things um, that she shouldn't be worried about. And she was just trying to suppress any and all joy in life that could be experienced. And, And it's so important to see that Solomon mentions the mother and the father in this because there is a great deal of wisdom and instruction to be learned from both parents. Both the mother and the father are vitally important to the upbringing of a child. And to have a father and a mother equally involved in a child's life gives them a significant advantage over children in single-parent homes. You see that in academics. You see it in sports. You see it throughout um, the academia, into college and universities. You see it into the career fields that... People who have two-parent homes with both the mother and the father uh, perform and and deal with so many things significantly better than people with one-parent homes. Now, it doesn't mean that people with one parent cannot overcome and achieve the same. It just means that life is is a lot easier and the the percentages of a two-parent home are much Uh, much higher than those with a one parent. And it's really important for us to see that for, for young people to communicate to them and even to remember us ourselves as young people that while there is some truth in a child being able to see the imperfections in their parent and some of the hypocrisies in their parents, uh, wisdom can only be acquired when we, when we decide to listen to corrections and obey the teachings coming from both parents. Now, our parents may not be perfect, but for some reason, 
Children fail to understand that typically a good parent only wants the best for their child and in all things are trying to help the child have the best life possible. Um, and the truth is, is that as a young child and even in the teenage years, we just are not mature enough or experienced enough to truly sift through the rights and the wrongs and the hypocrisies of our fathers and mothers because we just don't have the ability on a cognitive level, but also we just can't understand all of the situations, the circumstances, the variables. We're just not able to do it in order to decipher what to actually listen to and what to obey and then what to discard. So there's a need for young people, if we truly want wisdom, that God has kind of set this standard that we need to be obedient to our parents. And that should not surprise us because honoring our father and mother is one of the Ten Commandments and it's the only commandment that comes with a blessing or a promise from the Lord. So, there is sort of a calling in our life to blindly do that and in that blind following and obedience and listening to our fathers, there's wisdom to be had because as we obey, because it's the right thing to do, we learn so much in that. Now, there were things that I hated that my parents did when they did it, but now I look back and I see the wisdom in it. And there are things I look back on and say that it wasn't very good. Absolutely. Like there are things that I can look back to and I really like, you know, I just did not like that. I did not think that was a good thing. There's always things that we're going to look back on and say that wasn't good. I'm going to do that differently. But it's not the same things that I thought weren't good at the time. And I want to clarify that. In fact, it's the very opposite. Things that I thought were good when I was a teenager, things that I liked about my parents, it's funny how I look back on them now and I probably won't do that or act that way with my kids now. It's something that I've learned from. But I thought it was cool or I thought it was good when I was a teenager. And then there are things that I thought was bad as a teenager that I did not like that I look back on now and I really appreciate as an adult and I'm going to repeat those same things with my kids now. So it's really funny how our attitude and our mentality and our understanding of things changes as we get older and the realizations that we have as an adult. Now, Solomon, in this passage, Solomon is pleading with his son or his sons to listen and obey. However, like when you think about this, we only know of of one son that Solomon had. There's only record of of one, and that being Rehoboam, who actually turned out uh, to not have very much wisdom. And we don't know if Rehoboam read these writings or not, but he obviously didn't take heed to them. And perhaps Rehoboam might have been the child that Solomon was looking at as he was writing Proverbs and says, this kid really needs to know these things uh, because he did not live up to it even later on in his adult years. But it's really sad how you know, Solomon is writing this and there's such great benefit from it, but his own son uh, did not get to benefit from these things. Well, I want you to notice that Solomon uses this analogy of being crowned in verse 9. 
And there's no doubt that he could be speaking directly to the son that could possibly be crowned as king one day. As the crown, however, is not of gold or not one of ruling, but of grace. And the chain around his neck is not a chain of bondage, but a chain of honor. And that is the mistake that most kids make. They think that their parents are trying to give them stuff that they don't want or don't need. But in fact, the parents are not trying to crown them with authority and rulership because there's a lot of negative things that come with the responsibility of ruling and being in leadership. And not everyone is gifted to do that. And not everyone... Um, does that well and makes the right decisions and does it in a just manner. But also, you got to think about the chain around the neck. It's not a chain of bondage, but in fact, it's a chain of honor. The parents, the mother and father, are trying to clothe their child in honor. And uh, that's important to know. Because if you show me a kid that has been obedient to their parents, I will show you an adult who will know how to navigate the world and the people of the world with grace and honor as the crown represents grace and the chain represents honor. It is as obvious and evident as anything in this world. And in my 14 years excuse me, of youth ministry, every teenager that I have had in my youth group, every kid that I ever coached on a team, every student that I taught inside a classroom, um... Uh, have benefited or suffered from the the attitude in which they approach their parents and other adults. All right. Now, every kid that was obedient to their parents, that listened, that was respectful, etc., and, and were that way with their coaches and their teachers, I can look at those kids, and they have, for the most part, gone on to become very well respected responsible and productive adults doesn't mean they're the most successful doesn't mean that they're all millionaires that's not what we care about that's not what god cares about but they do well in life and they know how to treat people and because of that their life is enjoyable and they get along with people and their superiors and their subordinates um, but most of the kids that gave their parents trouble that gave me trouble, that gave other teachers and coaches and people trouble, most of those kids have grown up to still experience significant amounts of trouble in their lives. They've gone on to uh, struggle in relationships. They've gone on to struggle at jobs. They've gone on to struggle in society. They've struggled as parents themselves. And the truth is that, yeah, I mean, you know, kids can be one way as a teenager and as a kid, and God can get a hold of their lives and radically change them. But unless God gets a hold of them and changes them, then they're not going to change. And what we sow, we reap. Scripture talks about this. This is why it's important for a young person to listen and obey. This is why Solomon is communicating this, because he says, look, I can tell you all about wisdom. But you can't gain wisdom if you're not willing to do these things. The main thing is fear of the Lord, which he mentions in verse 7. Now you have to listen and obey your, your father's uh, discipline and your mother's instructions. you, you got to be one to listen to those things. In verses 10 through 14, 
is an obvious change in the tune of his writing. And this may seem harsh or a little far-fetched for a young man to get lured into an evil plot to rob and even kill someone, but this is a story that we see time and time again throughout history. I've had kids in my own youth group who have been lured into situations and circumstances over the years where it seems innocent, it seems fun, but I've had to go visit uh, kids in prison because of things that they've got into over the years. And I know that there are things that you did as a teenager. There are things that I did as a teenager and a young adult that I would never dream of doing now. Young people are very impressionable. Young people want to fit in. We want to have social circles. And we want to prove ourselves. And young people also tend to have a lot more free time on their hands and are constantly looking for entertainment to fill that void of free time. So Solomon is warning his child, or his son if you will, to turn their back from anyone who would suggest such things. And this is not just murdering, okay? I mean like, let's not just focus on the word murdering that Solomon is speaking of. But this is about injustice, abuse, robbery, extorting the weak, or aligning yourself with sinful people. Solomon encourages his child to stay away from these kinds of people. And the type of people Solomon is mentioning are ones that he's familiar with. Solomon is king. He's dealt with a vast array of people. He's grew up. He grew up. I mean, if you think about it, Solomon was a product of sin. He was born from a sinful relationship from David and Bathsheba. And so Solomon has experience with sinful people. He has encountered sinful people. He has pronounced judgment on them as king. And Solomon communicates that the traps that these people are setting are in fact not for others, but in fact they're for themselves. The injustice they are looking to place on others will in fact be set on their own shoulders to bear. Now, you need to notice that verse 19 says it all. Those who are greedy for money... This is usually the reason why people are willing to do all sorts of atrocities. They want money, and the rule of money is that it doesn't just grow. You can't just make money out of nothing. You have to figure out a way to get it from other people who have it. And the quickest and easiest way to do that is to take it. And everyone who is greedy for money and resorts to the quick and easy way will actually rob themselves of life. They may be robbing someone else of money, but they're actually robbing themselves of life. You may get the money, but you're losing your very soul in the process of doing it. And there is great wisdom in this because most people, especially young people, cannot see past their own nose to know what the future holds, to know what the consequences of their actions are going to be. They only see the here and now, and they only want what they need at the moment. And they don't realize the true cost that goes with the things that they're trying to acquire. And a truly godly person and a truly wise person knows that evil and injustice will cost you everything in the end. It will cost you everything in this world, but more importantly, it will cost you your very soul. All right? I think that's enough for today. We're going to stop right here and we'll finish the last part of chapter 1 next week. But as we finish up, we desperately need to understand how important it is for us as people to communicate the why 
upon what we are doing with our young people. So if you're a parent, uh, a youth pastor, a teacher, uh, a daycare worker, if you're babysitting, whatever it may be, if you have young people and you're dealing with them on a regular basis, you need to understand that you it is a must that you communicate the why upon what you are asking those young people to do. And because I said so is not a good enough answer. I want to say that again because this is like one of the most common rebuttals as a parent. Because I said so. That is not a good enough answer. And it doesn't matter the age of the child or if it's important enough or if you think they're capable of understanding, you need to remind yourself of this as a leader of God who's trying to bestow God, godly wisdom and godly character. And you're, you're trying to um, help these children along to become responsible adults and, and hopefully lead them to Christ. You need to understand that if it's important enough for you to ask them to do it, then it's important enough for you to give them a good explanation why? And in fact, it may be as important for you to be able to explain why as it is for the child. Because if you can't communicate why, or if you can't communicate what you are trying to accomplish and what you're asking them to do, then maybe it's not as important as you may think it is. And I'll leave you with those words. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this beautiful day. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to share with one another once again your word and to communicate and to talk. And God, thank you for these passages of scripture that Solomon has given us uh, to help us have wisdom and understanding with you, with our other relationships, with uh, dealing with people on a daily basis, God, thank you for everything that you want to bless us with. Lord, we ask that you would give us wisdom and insight. Lord, help us to have a healthy fear of you. And Lord, help us to constantly be willing to humble ourselves and listen and respect authority above us so that we can gain wisdom through all of these things. Lord, we love you and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in for another week. As always, we love you. We're praying for you. We would love to see you on campus. But if not, catch us on Facebook, YouTube, or podcast. Have a great week, guys.